بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد we express our prayers and gratitude our appreciation gratitude to Allah Ta'ala to God Most High and we seek blessings upon the Prophet peace be upon him so nice to see many of you again after yesterday and nice to see many of you again after about six minutes ago so uh, continuing our exploration here of Surah 4 uh last we left off we spoke about the very first sentence uh and let me pull up the um screen so once again somebody gesture let me know you can see um everything yeah you can see the two screens good okay so yeah ayuhanas oh humanity have taqwa shield yourself be mindful of god god be on guard with your rub and this word we have to define who created you from one soul and from and created from from her or from it its pair its mate and then spread dispersed from the two of them men many men and women so that's what we covered uh yesterday let us add to our vocabulary this word rub which is commonly translated as Lord. And that is not incorrect, but it is insufficient, especially in the modern ways we understand the word Lord. So anybody who's taken my classes before, remember the full definition, uh, the full translation of the word Rabb? I do. Okay, Sadia, what do you got? Um, one who takes you from immaturity to maturity. According to your unique design. Excellent. According to your unique design. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So, so a more full definition is the one who takes you from immaturity to maturity according to your unique design. Immaturity, immature, imma, immaturity. Is it two M's or one M? Spelling people? Two? Okay. Two. Okay, maturity. Like, you know, uh, hey, Ahant, do you know why, like, Daisy people always win spelling bees? Why? Because they have names like Ahant Vedantam. <laughs> yeah, it's usually my people that win all the time. Too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because if you can spell your own name, then you can spell, you know, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Okay, so that's somebody else's joke I stole. So when we're speaking of Allah as your creator, this is the next big point to think about for today, that <clears throat> very often when we speak in the context of creation, we speak of it as a mechanical process. So whether we're speaking of, whether we spoke about mitosis, meiosis yesterday, whatever the case may be, or just the biological process of, of the formation of a person, we often speak about it as a mechanical process. But a point I'd like you to consider is that if Allah has created you, and he has for all of us, sometimes for my undergrads, I'm not so sure, but if Allah has created you, then that means by virtue of the fact that he's created you, he has given you the attention of Allah. By virtue of the fact that you've been created by God means you've been given the attention of the Most High. 
which means your creation is not some arbitrary, irrelevant moment. Rather, your creation is an act, because it's an act by the greatest of greatest, Allah, that he has given you the attention of the greatest of greatest. See what I'm saying? That by virtue of the fact that Allah has created you, your innate value, because you're a creation of the creator, is higher than can be measured. If we look at a consequence of the common scientific approach to things, everything is just arbitrary cause and effect. You have cause, then effect, then effect, then effect, then effect. At some point, you have the human, you have you, you're going to die, you're going to become fertilizer. It's irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. It's all irrelevance. But we're saying in this paradigm, by virtue of the fact that Allah created you, you automatically, because he's your creator, you have the highest level of value. You have a level of value that is so great, it cannot be measured. which then means your loss is such a great loss that it cannot be measured. This is one of the consequences to think about of the fact simply that Allah is your creator. That the greatest of all creators is the one who created you. Which again, really, really internalizes because in our era, there's a sentiment that life is pretty much irrelevant. And related to that, is a very high level of violence and relate to that as a very high level of self-violence built into this notion that life is basically at the end of the day irrelevant so further of the attributes that allah uses to speak about himself as your creator in this ayah is rabb he could have said Ya ayyuhannas, O oh humanity, ittaku have taqwa of halakakum, your creator, okay, which is already implied by saying halakakum, but by calling himself in this context your rub, the simple translation that I use for rub, as you know, is your nourisher. It becomes a relationship of tenderness. That not only is Allah, by creating you, giving you the most unmeasurable level of value, he's doing this with the highest, most intimate level of tenderness for you. So if we take that to its full conclusion, we're saying Allah creating you is an act of love from God for you. That that is your default state in creation which runs very counter to how we imagine a lot of these things. Okay, so far so good? Now here's where we get more fun. So Adam, peace be upon him, is the first human. But who's the first creation? It was Jibreel. Uh, Why do you say that? Because that's what I learned. Okay. I appreciate Sabrina how excited were you were in saying that. Were they wrong? I mean, Allah, Allah, no, no, you're not necessarily wrong. Allah, only Allah knows best. But there's other other uh, common answers to this. One belief is that the first of all creation is the Prophet, peace be upon him. 
Okay. We are all descendants of Adam, peace be upon him. And yet at the same time, a common belief is that the first creation that Allah created is the prophet, peace be upon him. Boom. So even when speaking of this ayah, when we said, okay, who are we, about whom are we thinking when we're thinking of these two? It could be Adam and Eve, peace be upon them. Or it could be soulmates, it could be Sabrina and Mahmoud, whoever the case, whatever the case may be, you know. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the first creation is, in this case, Adam. The first man, first human, yeah. So this is more of a fun mystical point to think about, that a common notion is that the prophet was the first one created. And then, this is to make it more fun, by extension, part of the function of the creation of the universe was to develop appreciation for the prophet, peace be upon him. Think about what we said yesterday, or no, it was in the other class, that all of, when the prophet is receiving the Quran, the prophet is a recipient of the greatest of all revelation. And then the stories of all the previous prophets are part of his story. So now related to that, I'm adding this other dimension, although that was from the other class, that one of the expressions of appreciation of the prophet, peace be upon him, which by definition becomes an appreciation of Allah, his creator, is that the entirety of the universe was created as a way of appreciating the, appreciating the prophet, peace be upon him. What should be the consequence of that approach? It's simply to raise your status, your appreciation of the prophet, peace be upon him. Does not lower the status of Adam, peace be upon him, definitely does not lower the status of Allah, the creator of all of them. But a point to think about when we speak of origins. Now, having said this, we're adding the idea of nourisher plus taqwa. Because that's what the beginning of this ayah says. Ya ayyuhannas ittaqu rabbakum. So it could have said, you know, oh, humanity, have taqwa of your master. Doesn't say that. So guard yourself, be mindful of your master. Or it could have said, you know, oh, humanity, be uh, have taqwa of al-jabbar, the one whose will cannot be stopped. But here it's have taqwa of your rabb. So what do we say about taqwa yesterday? We said one of the concepts to take from this idea of taqwa is that part of the design of this world is that the world is going to keep hitting you. It's going to keep hitting you. You shield yourself with Allah. You shield yourself with consciousness of God. But if we're saying that the nourisher is doing this, then we're saying everything that is hitting you, it's designed to make you grow. That when we're speaking of Allah as Rabb in the context of taqwa, then every single thing Allah is, is putting me through, taking me from immaturity to maturity, Everything he's hitting me with is to make me grow through my next phase. And again, we've gone through this for those of you who've done my classes before. So the different way Allah will hit you, there are essentially five. One is with obligations. You have to make your prayer. You have to make your fast. You have to you have to speak the truth. You have to keep your promises. You have to be nice to your parents. All these things. These are obligations. And then 
in some cases, struggles or loss. And then in some cases, ease or gain. And then in some cases, difficult decisions. So 100% of the moments of your life are any or more of these. You might be getting all four of them at the exact same time. Maybe it's time to pray, but you're going through pain because your loved one is sick and you just got a promotion at work, so life is good. And then you got to decide what medicine to do for, for your loved one, right? Uh, Malahat. Why the struggle always comes with the loss? Well, I'm saying struggle or loss, right? The struggle might be loss or the struggle might be fear or the struggle might be pain. It just depends on how we measure it. But, but what are you thinking? I'm thinking the struggle can be come with the positive connotation as well. Give me an example. A struggle can get to the right place. But give me an example. A struggle can give you the growth. But what we can Okay, so birth. Okay, so if uh, I mean, is birth actually more difficult than you know a man passing a kidney stone? What do you think? No, okay, anyway, anyway, anyway. Yes. So it's obviously a joke. So, okay, in the moment of giving birth, is it an experience of gain? Did you feel, Sabrina, mashallah, as you're giving birth to these mashallah little people, were you feeling, oh, this is such gain? No, I was yeah. asking them to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Which is not unlike what Maryam alayhi salam herself giving birth to Isa uh, was saying, you know, you know, I wish I didn't have to go through this, right? You know, she's speaking about how hor horrendous this pain is. Malahat, what you're speaking about is the consequence. I'm speaking about the experience. Hmm. Does that make yes. sense? Yes, yeah, makes sense. No. And so uh, Sabrina's example is a perfect example that birth is perhaps physically one of, if not the most painful experiences, but the result is beautiful babies, as well as oxytocin and other things. But so the point here is these hits are referring to the hit itself, not the consequence. The consequence for all of them is growth. The intended or the willed consequence, I should say. Because in the same way, Malahat, you're saying that uh, struggle can result in gain, you would also agree that ease could result in loss, right? That I could get a big promotion and then I turn away from Allah. Yeah. Uh, Danya. You sort of started answering my question there. So like hit in my head and maybe I'm just taking it simplistically sounds like a challenge or like something Allah is, um, I don't know. Uh, yeah testing you with yeah exactly test um mm -hmm. so an ease can be i guess not just a well could it be a mercy and a test at the same time i guess so all four of these are tests and how do you pass is how you respond okay so how do i pass the test of an obligation easy question you fulfill it i obey right and so in passing the test of a struggle or loss I persevere through. In passing the test of ease, I'm grateful. 
And then in passing the test of a difficult decision, I make the best decision I can. Make sense? Yeah, it does. So there's the test itself, which I'm also calling a doorway, because they're all actually doorways where Allah is giving me this moment. Let's say I have to make a difficult decision as a way to get closer to Allah. Or Allah is giving me this ease as a way to get closer. For all the moments that I fall short, the fifth is to seek forgiveness. So let's say in the last hour I was supposed to pray and I missed my prayer and uh, I was hit with struggle and instead of persevering, I started saying all kinds of bad words. And then I'm living in the ease of this moment sitting in this office, but I'm not grateful. And then I have to make this difficult decision, but I'm not making the decision. I'm just, I'm just running away. So let's say in theory, I don't walk through the doorway for any of these or I don't pass the test for any of these. But then an hour later, I realized, okay, that was wrong. And so now I'm seeking forgiveness from, from Allah. That's my redemption, inshallah. Yeah. So the first four are the actual hits. The fifth is the opportunity, but they're all opportunities. So 100% of your life is Allah hitting you with something designed for you for that moment in your life, for your level of spirituality, for your level of knowledge, your level of maturity, with the invitation of walking through and most of them naturally we're going to miss because we may not even realize it. And thus we seek forgiveness for all the times we fall short. Okay, so getting now into the second sentence. What the Allah, so again, have taqwa of Allah. And then he is the one through whom, be he through whom, with whom you ask or you call upon the wombs that bore you. So in simple English, have taqwa of Allah, you know, of Allah in whom you call upon, you know, the, the wombs that uh, that bore you in terms of whatever you, you want from them. In Allah Allah is watching over everything. So now what we have, we're revisiting the idea of relationships. One way we introduce relationships is that this first sentence could be referring to the idea of, for lack of a better term, I hate the term soulmates, but the idea being that it's possible that husband and wife are coming from the same single unit. Could be Noor and Hamid are coming from the same place. You know, who else we got here? Ahant and Rossi, Malahat and Bina, Dilnaz and Kaiser, and so, and so forth and so on. You know, Kibria and himself. No, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. Is she right there? You know, apologize. So, so the point here, uh, that's another way to read it. But uh, if we read it from the legacy of creation, then now we're emphasizing relationships. And one fundamental relationship we have is the pairs, but another one is your source, mom. Although mom and dad, you know, you're going to keep hearing me complain about Father's Day. Like fathers get like nothing. Mom gets flour. She gets breakfast. Father gets socks. You know, if that. In any case, so have a, a seek, uh, shield yourself with a law regarding your relationship with the wombs that bore you. Again, this is taught so much in Sunday school Islam that I don't really have to emphasize this too much. But the point being, lineage is central in terms of Islamic law, but the relationship, the way you take care of your mother, and for those who've lost their mothers, may Allah's mercy be upon them. Um, is also very, very central here. 
Now, if your mother is a tyrant, either because you believe she's a tyrant or because she's actually a tyrant, your default is still compassion and service. So how does taqwa then play out in your relationship with your parents and in particular your mother? What do you think? What's the with taqwa in the first part? We said that life keeps hitting you and hitting you. How would it play out in terms of your relationship with mom or parents? Any thoughts? I think it can be all the above. Okay. Sometimes Uh, your mom tells you to do things. Sometimes uh, your mom gives you a headache. Sometimes your mom gives you (laughs) compassion. Sometimes your mom makes you decide, okay, either you clean the room right now or you get a beating. Okay, maybe something like that. Okay, difficult decision. But along those, about the obligation part, I think like that's an obligation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's like an opportunity to build your relationship with Allah by uh-huh. just fulfilling that duty that Allah prescribed to you. Okay. Um, as simple as that. Okay, or- very good, Marshall. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I was going to say just, uh, to answer that question, you know, like sort of referring to what you said about hits, uh, trials and doors, is it, it's the experience that makes you grow. Mm-hmm. So, so perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to the experience that, you know, that comes with all the moving parts of the relationship with the your mom or other people in the womb. Mm-hmm. So m- maybe the ups and downs in that relationship, although be it not, it not perfect, Mm-hmm. That in itself makes you grow as long as you're uh, actively trying to maintain those relationships. Mm-hmm. So it, it's the process of um, the, the ups and downs of relationship that exists with every relationship, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to slightly modify what you've said, that the relationship that your mother has with you is perfection and so a way to frame this is that okay so we said that every single thing that happens in your life is willfully by a law to make you grow okay that's this first part now i'm taking a step further in the context of parents especially mother but both parents think of your parent and in the case of some people here, the parent may not, the, the mother may not be Muslim, but your parent is specifically designed for you. Or the specific relationship that your parent has with you is specifically designed by Allah for you. And if that part makes sense, what your parent does in terms of nurturing you, as well as the things that may not be fair and such is by design from a law to make you grow. So I had a student uh, earlier today, uh, three people, three siblings in his family. And for whatever bizarro reason, uh, anytime anything happens, the parents never contact him. So his sister got engaged over the weekend. They called up his brother. They called up her friends. They called up their community members, did not call him. This has been his experience with these parents for the last 30 years. And, and so we were on the phone today about this. This is the latest thing where somehow magically they always forget to contact him yeah. for everything. 
I think they even forgot to contact him, forgot regarding uh, um, someone else in their family's wedding and other things, right? And same point. A way to think about this, if you understand that if a law hits you with a test, like a flat tire, it's coming from a law. If a law hits you with a test, like a disease, it's coming from a law. It might be the result of your actions, it might be the result of nobody's actions. But, uh, if a law is giving you a moment of ease, it's coming from him, even though it manifests through your employer. Uh, if a law is giving you a difficult decision, it's coming from him, even though the setting might be, oh, I have to decide which grad school do I go to or what end of life decision do I do for this loved one? If all that makes sense, then what I'm also suggesting for your consideration is that mother and everything mother does is a vessel of Allah to make you grow. And the simplest proof of that is regardless of what each and every one of you might think of your mothers, and again, may Allah have mercy on those who've passed away and give long life to those who are still with us. The fact is that you're here in this class, not even in Ramadan, in a Quran class. So <clears throat> even if everything your parent did might seem to be the opposite of what is correct, it has led you on a miscellaneous Tuesday afternoon to be seeking to learn from the Quran. So even if what they did not do, what they did may not seem right, the results was caused this to happen. Thoughts? Uh, Noor, you raise your hand. Yeah, I just wanted, as you were speaking, I kind of was thinking of the definition of taqwa that we spoke about yesterday. So like, yeah. in, like protecting your faith by shielding it. So would you say that all of these hits then technically go into that like taqwa of like shielding your faith? So if we call them hits, like arrows hitting the shield, yes. Uh, if we think of taqwa as always being alert, ready to respond to whatever Allah says, yes. And so sometimes Allah is saying, okay, make a decision. Sometimes Allah is saying, uh, fulfill this act of worship. Sometimes Allah is saying, okay, you're going to be hit with a headache right now. Okay. Or sometimes Allah is saying, you know, you, you're going to have a comfortable temperature in your room. Okay. Also, today is Mother's Day in the auto world, so Mother's really? Day to all the mothers. Oh, wow, I did not know that. But you know, in Islam, every day is Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah, and no day is Father's Day. Anyway, anyway, so yeah, but in Islam every day. Okay. All right. Any other thoughts and questions about this so far? So again, I'm making uh, conceptually a simple point, but in practice, it can be a very, very heavy point, depending upon the nature of your relationship with mother or father, that I'm literally saying, consider that your mom is an arm of God. Payday's Father's Day, yeah. That your mom, everything she says, everything she does is a manifestation of Allah's will as though, as far as you're concerned, your mom is a wali of Allah. Likewise, your father. And fathers don't get any attention here. So that is the, the case for all of our parents. Ahant. Confirm. Um, just to confirm, and you know, you know how I like to summarize things and ask you in the form of a question. Um, like you're on Jeopardy. Yeah, right. And like you said, you know, you know, every hit, the experience itself makes us grow. So for or the the purpose is to make you grow. Yes, but we might go in the opposite direction. Right, right. Um, and then the struggle and every ease and every difficult decision. Um, and just like. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, uh, has placed those hits. He has also placed your, your mother as a womb connection mm-hmm. or, you know, any uh, connection of the womb. So if you neglect that, you're in a way and as like neglecting um, those, you know, this whole, this whole process of him, you know, trying to make you grow. A major right? aspect of it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There are cases where the parent might be so tyrannical that the only option might be to, to leave. And I've had those cases too. Right. Uh, more often than not, we might perceive them to be tyrannical, but the bigger point being that your mother is literally, regardless of how much she's in your life, maybe it could be like the prophet piece of fun where she's gone when he's a kid, or maybe she might even outlive you, that she is literally by what she says and does to you with you, an arm of Allah's uh, manifestation, his mercy on you. Yeah. Make sense? But this is true again for the mother and the father. The reason I keep emphasizing mother is here speaking about the womb. Okay, which then means back to the point that much of the Quran is focused on how you understand how reality operates. And so the goal here then is whatever it is I think of my parents, you know, and some of you know my parents, and so, you know, my parents are awesome. They're very loud. Mashallah, that's where I learned my loudness from. The, uh, the point here is that you want to frame your parents in your story as literally a vessel of Allah, Allah's will upon you to make you grow, a primary vessel. Which for a 20-year-old, the people I spend my time with, it seems almost impossible to conceive of, but yeah. When you get older, especially as they decline or as you lose them, then it becomes easier to appreciate. Okay, so having said that, Finishing off, we have now had taqwa twice in this one ayah. What's interesting is that this is one of the ayahs that the Prophet, peace be upon him, would recite when performing a nikah. And the other two ayahs have taqwa two more times. So taqwa itself being one of the repeated recommendations on how to live life throughout the whole context of the Quran is this notion that, okay, you, your best way to live the most healthy way to live is to always be conscious. As opposed to the person who is conscious in public, but in private, they let go and they do all kinds of bad things. The goal is to have taqwa in private as well as public. And even think of the phases of being public. You're at work in the scenario. You're on at a store in the scenario. You're dealing with your neighbor in the scenario. Private could be with your family, could be with your friends. Private also includes being alone. So the goal is 24-7 taqwa, to always be uh, on guard, because Allah is always putting doors before you, no matter what time of day. The last point, completing the notion of taqwa, is that inna, triple emphasis, indeed, 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 Allah, indeed, inna Allah kana alaykum raqiba, that indeed, 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 Allah is always watching over you. Okay. Now read this the one way, the common way that people read it, which is that Allah is always alert, right? It's as though there's a camera that is always on you. That's the common way to read it. Well, now let's take it a, a different way. Okay. So think of the story of Shaitan. Okay. That Shaitan has arrogance before Allah. 
Shaitan is literally in communication with Allah and he has arrogance. Okay. Now keep that on the side of your mind for a second. Here we're talking about Allah watching over you. That's one concept. Shaitan, another concept. Now, before looking at all that, imagine that the day of judgment is going to be such a horrendously huge day that you will take leave of your senses and be overtaken by awe to the point you're not even going to care about your child. Okay. A minor example of that is the women with Yusuf alayhi salam. We often frame it as lust, but frame it as awe. They were so taken by his beauty that they lost themselves. It'd be kind of like how many of you feel when you look at this beautiful face, mashallah. Anyway, so the point here is that on the day of judgment, when we wake up, we're going to be so overtaken that we lose our sense of self. Okay? But then on the day of judgment, when we're before Allah, that will be even bigger, more awe-inspiring than the day of judgment. The presence of Allah before us. Now, pause that. Let me give you a small example. If you've ever been in like a mansion, you know, like go to like the Palace of Versailles or something. If you've ever been like in a mansion and these root, the ceilings are so ornate and elaborate, you automatically start bowing your head down. Right. This is some of the philosophy of the pre-enlightenment churches, like the you know the Notre Dame and all those. You make them so huge that a person automatically bows their head down out of humility. When we are in the presence of the Day of Judgment, it is going to be that awe-inspiring. That Allah is going to be that awe-inspiring. That even more than the Day of Judgment, that we cannot not be one hundred percent humble. And yet, golfers and hypocrites are still going to try to cut a deal with Allah. That's how hard their hearts will be. And shaitan, his heart is so hard that he's arrogant in the presence of that. Okay? Now, bringing this back to yourself and myself, when you have the consciousness that Allah is watching, it's not just watching you. It's that Allah's presence right before you is so unimaginably astonishing that you can't help but submit. This last sentence in this ayah is a reminder. We read it as a warning. Okay, No matter what you do, Allah is watching. I'm saying consider your approach to life that Allah in his eminence is so grand before you. And then that should have a consequence on your behavior. So when we speak of Islam, Iman, Ihsan, Ihsan is to worship Allah as though you see him. We often think of it just materially like I see Allah or he sees me. But I'm saying you're being in that presence of Allah, that his presence is so astonishing. You can't help but just lose yourself. And so this is this last sentence is a reminder or a prescription as opposed to a warning for a person lower in faith it's a warning for a person higher in faith it's a prescription for a complete humility danya and then Ahant. um i think maybe i'm reading this incorrectly but uh, the way like i understood it 
um, is like watchful, not like Allah Vigilance. is watching you, but yeah. watchful over you seems yeah. like there's like a caring. Yeah, absolutely. Know, a simplistic word, but like caring, like watching over you, like has your back sort of. I'd say that's completely consistent with the mention of Rabb in this ayah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I'm taking it a step further. Okay. That okay. let's add more to it. That Allah as this impossible to imagine eminence before you. That relationship. Remember, we spoke about creation. Your creation at the beginning of this is not arbitrary. It is of immense value given to you, and thus it is immense love. So. You're saying something akin. I'm taking it even further. Okay. Make sense? Yeah. Inshallah. Okay. Ahant. I think you sort of uh, answered my question. I, you know, you know, I was just going to ask how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, creating us in a default state uh, of being creation like you know, relates to all this. Back when you mentioned that the entire uh, universe was created to experience the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu uh, I'm not understanding the question. Um, uh, you had me until this this last part. Can I ask you to rephrase? Um, just like how does the, the 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 default state that you mentioned, um, you know, like you know, like uh, uh, relate to like all this? Okay, so if we're speaking of the default state as Allah creating everything um, in appreciation of the Prophet or to appreciate the Prophet. Yes. Okay, so then we're saying by extension. One element of my existence is to be in appreciation of the Prophet, peace be upon him. That my purpose of existence is complete submission to Allah. And if I orient that towards appreciation of the Prophet, peace be upon him, then I'm sort of fitting as a square peg in a square hole. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Any other questions? Okay, so next time, inshallah, we're going to get into the next concept. We've spoken about these, this type of relationship. Then we're going to speak about the next type of relationships, which is those in our society, starting with the most marginalized of every society, which is orphans. And then the third ayah, the polygamy ayah, we're going to merge one and two together. You know, so it'll get even more interesting. Ahant. Uh, real quick, uh, I feel like a lot of people will disagree with you when you said that. I'm pretty uh, much almost everything I've ever said, yes. But yeah. yeah well, well, that, well, there's that. But, uh, you know, the, 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 the fact that to say that the entire universe or creation was created so that the Prophet can be created and experienced, that's, you know, so. Oh, I'm saying that, that is, that is a, yeah, dare I say Sufi, uh, that is a, a very, very common sentiment. That's why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. Essentially, the, the point that I'm, the reason I'm raising that point is uh, Adam, peace be upon him, is the first human from which all of us are born, Yeah, not necessarily the first creation. And then another way to think about it is the prayer that Ibrahim, alayhi salam, Makes Prophet Ibrahim makes with uh, after he rebuilds the Kaaba with his son is that he's asking Allah to raise a messenger okay, for the people in this place. 
in Ibrahim is super prophet, uh, you would expect his prayers to manifest immediately. But that took some 3,000 plus years for his prayer to manifest with the birth of the prophet, peace be upon him. And one way to look at that is that it took the world 3,000 years to be ready for the birth of the prophet, peace be upon him. So essentially what I'm saying is in our appreciation of Allah, we often reduce it to the mechanical. He's the creator. So almost like it's a mechanical process. But as creator, it's an act of love. Because he's by creating me, the greatest of all creating me, gives me the highest level of value because he's my creator. And then the greatest of all humans being the prophet, peace be upon him, has the highest of value. So, to the point that some argue that that was the first creation creation of the prophet peace be upon him and then the whole world being created in purpose to appreciate the prophet peace be upon him as part of its uh the experience of the world so this is really going to sidetrack quite a bit uh i don't remember if i mentioned this in previous classes uh, do you all know that song by cool and the gang celebration you all know the song right do you know the backstory of the song i don't know if i mentioned it in previous classes or you know like this you can look up Cool and the gang, they were Muslims. And they wrote Celebration as the story of the angels finding out about the creation of humans. That's literally what the song is about. And so the basic point being that the greatest of all humans being the prophet, peace be upon him. So if you take that approach, uh, I think it makes the world yet a higher level of a place of compassion. And so even try it as an exercise. But yeah, a, hunt, a lot of people take issue with that point. But um, I think yeah. uh, it's a very beautiful point. Alhamdulillah. A little, uh, little too much veneration for some people. Alhamdulillah. Sure, I sure. As, as, as long as Allah is the creator, then we, <laughs> we, we raise the prophets as high as we can and raise the prophet be so on as high as we can. I mean, look at how I've just spoken about mothers. They're literally a vessel of Allah. Your mother to you is... Regardless of what she is to Allah, to you, your mother is a waliya of Allah. Uh, did I understand correctly that even a mother considered evil acting by even other than her child should still be thought of on behalf, uh, on acting behalf of? So, so Jewel, this is a wonderful question. I would speak of it in the general sense, right? So, if we, so Shaitan, the accursed Shaitan, is fulfilling Allah's will for him, but out of respect for Allah, we're not going to say that Allah, that shaitan is, you know, uh, a vessel of Allah. That's more of a matter of respect for Allah. And so out of respect for Allah and respect for our mothers, we would say that our mothers are a vessel of Allah, um, you know, for us. But for example, okay, you're not, we're not going to talk about our mothers, you know, going to the bathroom. That becomes more an issue of uh, what we call adab. So in principle, I'm saying yes, but it's safer in the sense of manners to speak of it only in the general. That the general raising of a mother of her child or the general raising of your mother to you or my mother to me is a vessel of Allah. Does that make sense? It might be uh, in some ways a semantic difference in how we're expressing it. And let me know if it makes sense or not, or if you need more further clarification, inshallah. Any other questions or thoughts or reflections?
Okay, inshallah. Um, in about four hours in Chicago, we may or may not find out whether or not Ramadan has arrived. Um, the the stats indicate most likely it'll be tomorrow night rather than tonight, but we will see, inshallah. And in any case, we will continue tomorrow. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma, glory to you, O Allah. Wa bihamdika, praise and gratitude are to you. Nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta. We bear witness there is no God but you. Nastaghfiruka. We seek your forgiveness. Wa natubu ilayk, and we turn to you. May Allah ta'ala reward you all, inshallah. And I still have to set up the recordings for anyone who's missed or wants to re-hear them. Hopefully I'll set them up soon. It's just, I always have a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Salam, thank you. Thank you.